Welcome to Crystal Clear Finances, where we understand that finances, well, they can be confusing. But you don't have to face it alone, and you can have confidence for every financial decision. My name is Crystal Langdon. I'm a certified financial planner, qualified kingdom advisor, founder of Crystal Clear Finances, and your host for the next 30 minutes. Now, I've got one goal and one goal only for this program today, and that is to make sure we get through the 2024 predictions because we've got a whole bunch of new shows that are waiting to come where I want to talk to you about business ownership and, hey, if you have a business, how do you grow it? And wait a minute, what if I want to do something for my employees and have a retirement plan? Well, I got an answer there too. What if you're at that stage in your life where you say, Crystal, I want to sell my business. Well, before you put it up for sale, there are some things that you may want to do to get it all in alignment so that you can get the best price and that it becomes a win-win for you, a win-win for whoever's buying it, and for your customers. These are areas that I want to spend the month of March focusing on, which means I better get to work on what we're talking about today, which is the predictions that we have for 2024. Now, if you've listened to us this month, you know, or back in the month of February, you know that we listened to Bob Dahl. We talked about the predictions for 2023. We've talked about Mark Pearson's from Nepsis Capital Management and his predictions, which are a little bit more tongue-in-cheek because what he has to say, it's actually true. He gives this prediction every year and every year he's 100% correct. And yes, I think he will probably record what I just said and put it on his phone to play over and over as he's running. I remember running with him. All right, so let's talk about the remaining predictions that are here. And I'm going to go through them a little bit quicker than I usually do, just so I can make sure I get through everything today. One of the predictions he has, and this is prediction number six, is that investors will continue to focus on inaccurate portfolio comparisons instead of the investment process. And we've kind of alluded to that last week when we were talking about looking at what's in another person's portfolio and saying, why don't I have that? Or even watching TV and seeing, oh, the stock market's going up. And then you open up your laptop and you're like, but mine's not. And you want what's in that. We have to understand that there is a certain mix that was created for you. Now, that doesn't mean that you make this mix and you never change it and your account never grows. There may be a problem if that's the case. But sitting down with your advisor to say, what is my mix? And that's where the investment philosophy is so important. Understanding what you own and then why you own it. You know, a lot of times clients would say to me, Crystal, I don't need to know that. I trust you. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, that's so cool. My clients trust me. Well, of course I want my clients to trust me. But more than that, I also want them to have a confidence so that if they are somewhere and someone says, well, why don't you own that stock? They can say, well, because blah, 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 blah. And they can give a reasoning. They have fiscal responsibility over their account. I can bring things to the table and say, here's the reason why I'm recommending them. And then what happens is when we know why we have a certain company, when it goes down, we're not all of a sudden shocked. We didn't buy it because we thought it would be the best thing and just give us oodles and oodles of money. 
We bought it because we thought this is a long-term opportunity with a quality company that's doing good in the world and helping people. Win, win, win. So I would stress knowing what your investment philosophy is. Now, the next prediction. Investors will continue to be over-diversified in their portfolios and not be properly asset allocated, leaving their portfolios inefficient. Okay, so let's say this in English. What happens many times, and not anyone I'm talking to right now, but other people, they will say, I need to be diversified. I need to have a lot of stocks in my portfolio. So they will buy mutual funds, right? And what is a mutual fund? Mutual fund is a basket of companies. And so because they want to be diversified, they'll get like 10, 15 different mutual funds. Have you ever like looked inside a basket of mutual funds to see how many is in there? When you look in there, and here's how you do it, you can just Google the name of the mutual fund you have or the ticker symbol, which are the letters that you can look them up to see how they trade on the stock exchange. And you look in it and you look in the holdings, just the holdings, 100, 100 different companies, 2,500 companies. I've seen up to 5,000 companies in one, in one mutual fund. So if you have 10 mutual funds, and let's just say yours wasn't that big, there was just 2,000 companies in each one. If you have 2,000 companies times five or 10 different mutual funds, how many slivers of companies do you have? And what we want to begin to look at it is, wait a minute. Yes, we want to be diversified, but there's also something called over-diversification. When you have too much, where you're diversified too far apart. You know, one of the things I like in our office is that we're able to have a chart that says, hey, listen, we have this fund and then we have this fund. What's the overlap? So that we can make a plan that says, yeah, they've, they've got a little bit of overlap, but over here, they're addressing two different areas. And being able to know that you're well diversified, you know, have you seen the diversification chart? I brought it up a couple of weeks ago. It's on our YouTube channel. And we talked about the fact that at different times, different funds have their time in the sun where they do really well. So we want to be diversified enough that we have every something in our portfolio that always has the sun shining on it, but not so over diversified that we are not getting any momentum going with it. All right, let's go to the next one. The next one is, and this is his number eight, investors will continue to limit their potential to be successful by failing to leverage the power and flexibility of strategic cost averaging. All right, I do want to talk about this. And actually, we already have it so that my monitor on my laptop, you're going to be able to see this. So those of you on radio, I apologize, or on our podcast, you can always go to the YouTube channel for Crystal Clear Finances and see what I'm talking about. But I want to talk about how dollar cost averaging works. And when we look at it, what is the purpose of it? So dollar cost averaging just says, you know what? I am going to strategically, over a period of time, continually add to my portfolio. It's kind of like what we said last week when we were talking about those gradual, gradual, suddenly. So when we strategic cost average, we're putting a little bit in. And what's nice about it is we put a little bit in when the market's up and a little bit in when the market's down, and it helps to average it out. 
and it has a different return than a lump sum. So if you look at my screen, what you're going to be able to see, and I'm just going to give you a different couple different scenarios, we know that there's a type of market which we call a recovery market. It's where things have fallen, but it's expected to return to its original le level. Black swan events, different times where the market goes down and then shoots right back up. So that's a recovery market. Then you have the variable market where the price continues to fluctuate. It goes up, it goes down. This is kind of what we're used to. A rising market where its tendency, the overall trend is upward. Yes, it will have some uh, dips, but it's continuing kind of like the elevator has those steps, right? But it continues in the upward direction and then a falling market. So these are the four, recovery, variable, rising, and falling markets. Now. On my computer screen, and I'm going to talk through it for those of you on radio, you're going to see that I have an example of $10,000 of a lump sum investment versus five regular installments of $2,000 a piece. And what we want to do is we want to see, based on market history, which would do better. So let's go ahead, and what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to move forward a little bit because I want to show it based on the S&P 500 so you can see what I'm looking at. I'm going to say the S&P 500, and I'm just going to change it a little bit, and I'm going to say from January 1997 to January 2007, if you are able to put that $100 in gradually every month you put it in, over time, in this period of time, there would be $12,100 is what you eventually invested. Based on this time period, the ending value would be $51,673. So you can see over time these small periods where you're buying, sometimes up, sometimes down, that it can work in your favor. Now, what if you did it, though, going back to my example, of a lump sum versus the regular installments? If it's a recovery type of environment, we can see that dollar cost averaging could beat the lump sum. If we look at a variable investment, we can see at that place, well, once again, the dollar cost averaging would appear to have won. In a rising market though, the lump sum did better. It didn't have to go down and make its way up. It was able to buy in and then use all of its power together, that 10,000, to make it. And then in a falling market, it shows that, well, the lump sum did worse. So the dollar cost averaging. So my point in this is a lot of people don't see the power of dollar cost averaging, but whether you're doing a $2,000 increments that you're investing or like I showed on the next screen, $100 a month investing. We can see different ways where depending upon the market, it actually could work in your favor. And I say that because a lot of times people say, what good is $100, which nowadays only buys two pizzas, just so you know. Um, that $100 can make a difference over time. And that's why dollar cost averaging, I believe, is part of a plan. And so when I go back to the last prediction that he had, he said investors will continue to limit their potential to be successful by failing to leverage the power and flexibility 
of strategic cost averaging, dollar cost averaging. Well, we did it. We went through Mark Pearson's Nepsis, but I want to now go to Chief Investment Officer, Chief Economic Officer, Bob Dahl, and I want to go through his predictions. And I am going to need to go through them a little bit quicker, but this is where we stand right now. And then we'll finish this month saying, okay, there's a lot of predictions out there. How do we respond to that? First prediction that he has for 2024 is that the U.S. economy will experience a mild recession as the unemployment rate rises above 4.5%. I know. If you look at where the market is today, you're thinking, are you kidding me? But one of the other predictions as we go further in is that this upturn that we're having is going to level off and that a form of a recession would be there. Now, I think that's where people kind of think sideways. When we talk recession, we're not talking bread lines, no shoes, holes in you know our clothes. We're not talking that. We're just talking about, okay, not as easy to get a job, not getting raises, people getting laid off, those type of points. Where businesses, and this is key, and that's why we want to talk about businesses in the month of March. Businesses, because they can't get the money at a good rate, they are now becoming more stingy. Nope, I'm not going to give pay raises. Nope, I'm not going to hire that extra person because they're going through a contraction period. Okay, prediction number two, the 2 to 3% inflation ceiling of the 2010s becomes the 2 to 3% inflation floor of the 2020s. So they are saying that they don't believe that we're going to get down to that 2 to 3%. I know the feds want to get us there. I'm not sure if they're going to. They're not sure if they're going to. Number three, the Fed cuts rates fewer than six times. Now, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Remember when people are saying when the year started, oh, they're going to cut it six times and we're going to live happily ever after. We're not seeing that. We see that it is unlikely that they will cut those rates. So we need to be attentive to it. Number four, credit spreads widen as interest rates decline. So we want to, in this case, not lock up our CDs. You know, you look at the banks, and I mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. When they make short-term CDs at a better rate than the long-term CDs, it's because they're not sure where things are going. If they are going to drop rates, maybe not six times, but if they are going to drop them some, they don't want to be locked in with you promising you a high return. So they're okay giving you that higher return for six months maybe for nine months, but they're not going to be locking that up. They want to hold on to their money. So the banks are holding on tighter to their money, which makes the businesses harder for them to get money. So they're going to hold on tighter to their money, which impacts who? The employees, which impacts companies because now employees have less money to go out to that grocery store and buy all the products in the stock market. So it's, it's a cycle that we go through. Number five, prediction. And this again is from Bob Dahl. Earning growth falls short of the double digit percentage. So they see that the sales growth is going to start slowing. And I know it takes a lot of uh, nerve 
to be able to be on radio. Here we are in February and things are looking so good and to say, hey, we still might have a possible recession and hey, things still may slow down, guys. And it may not be what you're thinking it is because it's so easy to look at the what's in front of you instead of saying, wait a minute, look at everything that happened with all the cuts in the rates. When does that show up? Sometimes the actions of what we're doing has to show up. I mean, every time it does, but someday, that was a better way to say it, someday the actions of the government have to show up in our economy and we've got to pay the piper. And we're just making sure that we stay aware of it. And that's what I use even when I'm helping and working with my clients. Prediction number six, and guys, we're doing it. We are just cruising right here. Of course, if you have questions, you know to give our office a call at 518-433-7181. We love to talk about this. Prediction number six is that stocks record a new all-time high early in the year, but then experience a fade. And to me, this is so important that we understand it because what happens is when we're experiencing this, the knee-jerk reaction is to call the advisor and say, you know, my risk tolerance has changed. I'd like to get all in. Don't put me in any... Money markets at 5.2%. Oh, Crystal, 5.2%. I want the bigger money and my risk tolerance will handle that. But what happens is if we keep chasing when it begins to fall, that's how we get hurt. And to me, it's like looking at your picture, look at the whole portfolio. And yes, you may have one part that's over here that you're like, well, that's kind of conservative. But that helps make the picture. It's what makes the whole thing flow together. And when we come in or you come in and you say, I want to take one piece and throw it out the window because of what the market's doing, you're ruining the plan and the market can't be depended upon. Those are things we need to consider. Seven, now I want to be careful because my compliance department is watching and I think I should be careful anyways. But Bob Dahl's prediction is energy, financial, and consumer staples, he believes they're going to outperform the outperform utilities, healthcare, and real estate. So those are things to consider. Now, I know when I'm sitting down in my client's portfolio, does that mean I'm going to go in and kick everything out and say, you know what? I'm just going to have energy, financials, and consumer staples. No, because if you look back, they just did not do as well but there is a purpose for them in the right allocation in a client's portfolio. Well, what we're going to do, I'm looking at the clock. We're going to take a quick 60 second break and we'll be back with more crystal clear finances. Investment allocation and location can be complementing strategies when it comes to finances. This is Crystal Langdon with today's financial gem. Investment allocation deals with your risk tolerance. How conservative or growth-oriented are you? Investment location is about positioning those investments in a way that can be most tax efficient. Unfortunately, many just focus on the allocation and resources are lost to taxes because investments end up in the wrong location. Call Crystal Clear Finances at 518-433-7181 and make sure your investment allocation and location are in the right place for you.
And we're back with more Crystal Clear Finances. Thank you as always for joining me. I love having these opportunities to talk together and boy, can I talk. Next one is number eight and I love this one. Number eight is faith-based, the faith-based industry will grow again for the eighth year in a row. We are seeing, as we gathered, there was 2,200 financial advisors at Kingdom Advisors. They had to stop the registration. They were sold out. How cool is that? Because there is a demand for people saying, I've got to work with a faith-based advisor who can reflect what I believe inside my portfolio who can sit down with me, open up in prayer, go over everything that I'm doing and remind me that the stock market is not what keeps me safe. It is not what makes me wealthy. And when we can begin to say, you know what? Maybe for you that you're watching, you're like, well, Crystal, I'm not as excited about my faith as you are. But what there's also another component. When we can invest in companies that we know are doing the right thing, thing for their clients. They're making the right type of products. They're not doing it at the expense of child labor. They're not doing things that are breaking families and homes and marriages. And you know that the impact they have is positive. Those are the type of companies that when you sit down at night, you're like, yeah, I'm using my money to invest in companies that I believe in. So I will keep moving on, but that is such a huge thing to know that for the eighth year in a row, they're predicting that it will once again continue to supersede what it was the year before. I found this was interesting. It said that uh, a significant number of important elections will occur in 2024, demanding continued attention and vigilance on these issues. But collectively, these issues have led to deglobalization, which has a negative profit margin consequence. You know, you think about everything that's been going on in the world and the wars and the rumors of wars and everything that's happening that does impact the stock market. It does impact the quality of companies and what companies can and can't do and what companies should or shouldn't do. And the last one, this is, is not a political statement, but it is political. It says that he believes that the White House, the Senate, and the House of Representatives all switch parties in November. And this is his, his uh, thought process. Americans have ditched the party in power in some branch of the federal government in eight out of the nine last elections. There is a chance, and it is their prediction, that the party in power in all three branches, President, House, and Senate, will change. There are a myriad of issues to be dealt with, but the most pressing is to correct some of the dysfunction in our federal government. A separate but related is the impending continued rise in interest expense and federal debt. We did it. We got through all 10 of those predictions. And when I look at it, let me just go through the conclusions. So because I know I went so fast, the conclusions that they have in regards to this is that the delayed recession, a form of it, shows up in 2024. Inflation continues to fall, but the central bank target of 2% is going to remain elusive. The feds will lower rate, but it's going to be less than expected. Earnings fall short of the expectations, even without a recession. Stocks are more expensive across all measures. 
If you own stock, use good earnings predictability and persist persistence and look for strong cash flow. Do, do some dollar cost averaging into international. And that was not a recommendation. This is based on the conclusions provided by Bob Dahl. Expect some dollar weakness. Okay, breathe. I know a lot of people just said, I told you the dollar was going to collapse. Breathe. That's not what they said. Expect some softness there. Geopolitical threats will continue to create uneasiness. And election cross-currents continue to accent the polarization that we are feeling. Now, you can say, Crystal, that is very discouraging. <laughs> well, let me tell you what are some things that could go right. And this also is from Bob Dahl. He's saying, this is where I think it's going. Here's what I think the summary is. And here's what I think could go right. We could call it wrong and there could be no recession. The market could continue to have a very strong year this year. The global and economic growth could pick up. The inflation could actually fall to the 2% goal of, that the feds have. Short and long-term interest rates could continue to fall. <laughs> Earnings could grow double digits. I feel like just adding some and the sky could turn purple and all of this, but I'm going to go through this. Artificial, intelligent benef artificial intelligence, the benefits are start to felt early. So they're going to start seeing that, wow, maybe this could be a good thing. Ukraine and Russia could settle. The Middle East conflict ends. Do you see where I'm going with this? How political environment calms down and cash comes off the sidelines into stocks and bonds. When we talk about the stock market, these predictions, it's hard to know because there is a, and I mean this respectfully, there is a herd mentality. There is, well, what are you doing? And many times what will happen is we'll follow what the herd is doing instead of following what our plan says we should be doing. And so while Bob was so good to give us that summary of, hey, I, this is the way I think it is. And then he gave the summary of, hey, but this could go right. I lean towards the camp that says, hey, this is what could be some of the risks out there. And just to read them, infl recession, inflation returns without uh, with some monetary easing, earnings disappoint, oil is impacted by Middle East conflict, the dollar falls significantly, political polarization has bad consequences, a new geopolitical hotspot arises. There's a lot out there. Now, is that cause for concern? No. Seasons come, seasons go. After 25 years of watching this cycle go round and round, I don't think there's anything new under the sun. I know that we say, but Crystal, it's not happened exactly this way before. And you're right. But what if, let's just imagine for a moment, what if you created a portfolio that you said, you know what? What if everything that Bob Dahl said went right? Whoop, whoop, and you had your investments, a portion of it ready for that. Well, then hopefully you would be able to experience the upturn. And then what if in that same portfolio, working with your same advisor, you said, but what if it goes the other way? And what if these conclusions he drew really were true? And you built a portfolio so that if the market did go down or level out, you said, hey, hey, I'm, I'm still growing. I'm, I'm still okay. 
What if you learn to say, I'm going to work with my advisor. I'm going to create this basket of stocks and portfolio that I have so that I can make a plan that's right for me. That's right for my family. And I'm not going to look to the left and I'm not going to look to the right. I'm not going to chase something over here. I'm going to put together a portfolio that I can follow. And then you begin to work on your emotional intelligence and not allow yourself to be swayed. And that can go either way. There are people that are swayed by emotions to one extreme that this bad stuff will never happen. And you know what? Everything will be fine. And then, uh, and the stock market is their savior to the other extreme that says everything's going to crash tomorrow and we're all about to burn and die. So you've got these two extremes. There is actually a middle. The middle that says, yeah, it could go really good or it could go bad, but that's actually not what keeps me safe in all this. So my responsibility is to work with what I have, with the knowledge of what I have, with an advisor that is a faith-based advisor to put together that plan so that wherever the sun shines or doesn't shine, you can be okay. We've talked for 25 years now. There comes a time when you say, Crystal, I'm finally ready. And I would encourage you, if that is you and that time is now, then give our office a call at 518-433-7181 and let's schedule that time to talk together. And then join us again next week as we continue to provide financial clarity so that you can have confidence for every financial decision. Thank you and God bless. This program is for educational purposes only. We understand that finances are complex. Facing them alone causes stress, resulting in wrong choices, missing out on opportunities, and having to settle for a lower standard of living. At Crystal Clear Finances, our team approach focuses on providing clarity and confidence so you can make the right financial decisions. Investment advisory and financial planning services are offered through AlphaStar Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Clear Finances and AlphaStar are separate and independent entities. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.